0: Combat is the anvil of will And you had better put that anvil on a hotkey, by the way Welcome to TripleClick, where we bring the games to you This week we are talking about StarCraft II We're playing the Legacy of the Void campaign, which is the Protoss campaign We're getting our tactical skills back up Or in Jason's case, they're already there I'm Maddie Myers
1: I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. Hello. hello.
0: Hi there. Welcome Again, back. it's us. Again. Again. It is us
2: coming at ya from a blistering heat wave hitting all of the United States. At the yeah. All of the yeah. world. All of the Northern Hemisphere. Except for anyways. San Francisco. San Francisco is like 62 degrees.
1: And foggy, like always. Mm-hmm. It's, their cur- it's their blessing mm-hmm. and their curse. They're in the Bay It's their, area. their
2: persona for ass reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I'm inside with the air conditioning right right this second. So I'm feeling great. Mm-hmm. And that is not a segue into what I'm going to say next, which is also great, which is the network <laughs> we're on. Maximum yes. fun.
1: It's the air conditioning of podcast it networks. It is the air conditioning of
0: podcasts because it, it refines the air. <laughs> <laughs> air it's cool and, also and refreshing. also the sound waves. It keeps mm-hmm. them cool. The sound waves are cool. You're cool if you're a member. It
1: dehumidifies. That works.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking, boy... I wanna like recondition my support mm-hmm. for triple Click and other great yeah, great podcasts okay. on the MaxFun network. Then you could go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And if you were to become a member, you would get a monthly bonus episode.
1: You sure would. And
0: from us specifically. I did not just yes. like a monthly bonus episode from who knows who. You get one from us triple click once yes. a month. And the one we're gonna do this month is about an Apple TV plus show called Silo. There's one season out. We're going to spill the beans about it. I loved it.
1: Yes. Kirk loved it. It's very cool. We
0: foisted it on Jason. I'm not sure he's done yet. So Jason, you don't have to weigh in, but it's really cool. People should watch it. So we're going to talk about that and also post-apocalyptic stories because it is very much one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, become a member. Check that out. Check out the app, MaximumFun.org slash join. You'll get a whole backlog of other cool Episodes we've recorded about all kinds of other things. And BG Dubs, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, Maddie, that's a television show. Isn't this a video game podcast? And you're you're not wrong. Silo is not a video game. It's kind of like Fallout, but it is not a video game. It is is a TV show. And hey, great news. We're going to record a Beanscast about... Tears of the yes. Kingdom, That'll be in August, month. to be clear. That'll be in August. You have that long to finish yeah. the
1: game, which I still have to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, Me too. But I'm getting I've been, close. I've been collecting
0: I've, my Dragon's Tears. I've, done, I've yep, been I've getting my little, tears. little dribs and drabs of plot. So yeah, yes. MaximumFun.org slash join is the URL to obtain all of that lovely content. And hey, here's something you don't even have to pay for. We're going to do a little stream on our Twitch channel where we... Forced Jason to teach us how to play StarCraft 2 super well. And maybe I'll even play a little <laughs> bit of it, not not super well, but like kind of okay, uh, at our Twitch channel, which I believe is triple click pod on, on twitch.tv. So that's this June 21st, July 21st at 8 p.m. It is it's not June. It's July 21st yes. at 8 p.m. That's a Friday night. So mark your calendar, come come watch us play some StarCraft. Uh, and we have we have one other thing to get to before we get into the the <laughs> thick meat of today's StarCraft app. Jason, do you want to address this next little piece of info? Yes.
2: Yeah, so last week, this is. <laughs> Extremely strange. Last it is. week we read an email <laughs> from someone named Benjamin Hansen about that mentioned Tim Schaefer and Psych Odyssey and Min Max and our show and so on and so on. And then we found out later that it was not, in fact, the Ben Hansen who we assumed it was because yes. uh, it turns out there is someone else who coincidentally has the same name, Ben Hansen, who talks about Min Max, the show and listens to Triple Click and is also obsessed with the Psychonauts Odyssey. Uh, documentary a little strange that mr. Benjamin (laughs) didn't mention somewhere in his email hey I am not I have the same exact
0: name as a guy who you might um, think would say I mean fair enough maybe
1: he had the name first he might be older, and he had it first. And he, why should he? You know, it's it's a Mo- Michael Bolton situation. Why should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. Though in this case, we we do love Almost both ben probably Hansons. less they animosity. Seem like wonderful people. Yes, yes.
0: Both Ben Hanson seem cool as far as
2: so I know. With apologies to both Ben Hansons <laughs> for thinking that Ben Hansen of Vinmax wrote us an email. Well, uh, just ben have Hanson to correct the Max Was
0: a very good sport about the the miss. Misfire on our part. I don't know how Benjamin Hansen feels about it. Like, is he going to listen to the app and perhaps write us a follow up email and be like, "Hey, I'm not that Ben Hansen. I don't know. We haven't heard from." It can ben become Sherman a
1: very yet. confusing battle. By the way, I have an email here from Chris Plant. It says Christopher Plant
0: <laughs> writing
1: in. <laughs> He's got some opinions to share about Zelda. <laughs> I
0: have an email from Hideo Kajima here. Oh, oh interesting. It's a one. <laughs> a interesting.
2: Different, different one.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so very common on names. with the show today. We're talking about Starcraft 2. So, as you guys both know, and many of our listeners know, we have an annual predictions bet where whoever wins gets to pick a game for the show to play. This year it was a tie, uh, Maddie and I both won earlier this year. We played Perfect Dark on the uh N64. Um, I guess the Xbox version. Yeah, we, didn't, game. we didn't play it on
0: the N64. That would have been cool. We played it on Xbox.
2: <laughs> that would have been not cool. That would have been brutal. <laughs> no, it would have been really um, cool. And you're both but... lucky I
0: didn't make you do that. <laughs> uh,
2: and my game was StarCraft 2 So the three of us have been playing StarCraft. We've been playing the Legacy of the Void campaign. For people who don't know, StarCraft II is kind of um, divided into three releases, each one based on one of the three races Terran, Zerg, and Pro. Protoss, and we've been playing the Protoss one. Um, We all have been playing a chunk of it. I don't really think we picked kind of a point where we're going to stop, but we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the little bit of the story. We're going to talk about the game and the appeal of RTS games and such. This, of course, is a strategy game developed by Blizzard Entertainment Legacy of the Void. The version we're playing was released in 2015, um, hilariously on the same exact day as Fallout 4. Um, And uh, one interesting bit of context here is that while RTS games had a humongous boom in the late 90s, early 2000s, they kind of died out a little bit, became much less popular throughout the 2000s and they were actually kind of replaced in a lot of people's heads by so-called MOBAs, a.k.a. Dota-likes, a.k.a. League of Legends and Dota 2 and Blizzard's own Heroes of the Storm, which also came out in 2015. Um, and so a lot of people whose minds were kind of like built for RTS games switched to MOBAs, and MOBAs wound up bringing in a lot of newer players as well as the RTS genre was seen as kind of fading. But still, StarCraft 2 was always around it reigned supreme it was it was friggin starcraft this is uh, a national sport in korea back in the day i believe the stat is that one out of every 10 koreans had a copy of starcraft like 10 percent. the number of copies sold in korea equated to 10 percent of south korea's population so starcraft 2 we've all been playing it i have many thoughts on it but i would love to hear what you guys think Um, Maddie, why don't you start us off? Give us your first impressions of StarCraft II Legacy of the Void.
0: Sure. So I'm having a wonderful time playing StarCraft II. I did play Wings of Liberty, which is the Terran campaign that StarCraft II launched with. Uh, It didn't launch with all three campaigns. You played
2: in the past. Yes, in the
0: past. When it launched, I played Wings of Liberty and then continued to play StarCraft II on and off for for a couple years after that. always enjoyed it, but didn't stick around and play the Zerg and Protoss campaigns, although I've always been most interested in Protoss. That's my preferred StarCraft race to play as. So this feels like me finally filling in a gap of something that I always would have enjoyed, and I am predictably really enjoying it. It is uh, a blast from the past for my brain and muscle memory in a really fun way. I Mm -hmm. feel like I had a rocky but fascinating learning curve of remembering certain shortcuts and completely forgetting other ones in the way that you could only have when you played a lot of StarCraft 10 years ago and haven't really touched it since. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm i still learning, let's say. We'll, we'll see how I am by Friday in terms of remembering all my shortcuts, but uh, I'm up to, just plot wise, I'm up to the Mobius core missions i've i've met good old jim Mm. Raynor. i'm on the part of the game where you have like a base where you can walk around and talk to people and you have like a little mission table where you can select missions and so i i think that's kind of like a a logical place to to say that the the first act of the game is complete and now now the real big game begins now i have fast travel to planets and stuff uh, but yeah, I don't know what's going on in the story. Really enjoying, <laughs> really enjoying the video game. <laughs> a though. lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's there's some aliens. We can get into it. But yeah, I'm 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 digging it a lot. I'm really glad to finally cross this off my personal bucket list and be playing Legacy of the Void. Kirk, what about you. Nice.
1: Yeah, I'm really enjoying it too. And like you, Maddie, it's coming back to me. I also played uh, Wings of Liberty, and then I also played the most of the what's it called the part of, of the, the swarm. swarm? Yeah, I played most of that as well when it came out. Yeah, because I think I was already a Kotaku at the time and Jason was uh, into the series and had told me, hey, you should play this. It's really good. And I played it and I liked it. Um, I don't think I finished that campaign, but I played it and it was the same feeling playing that where I kind of remembered how to play. But I've never become all that proficient at these games and never played competitive games. So you kind of just, there's a whole other level that you need to reach if you're playing competitive, which I am perfectly fine not even trying because this game is so complicated. Um, oh, I was yeah. getting just whooped on normal difficulty at first and then put it down to casual, and then I was just stomping everything. Yeah, and so I kind of put it back really to normal. Easy, it's which pretty is easy, tough. There's a big gulf yeah. there. I think normal is fine for me now that I kind of have yes. got my sea legs again. There were just a few things that I had just not picked up. It really, it throws you into the deep end a little bit just because this is the third expansion and it, it definitely is like, oh yeah, you know how to play StarCraft, right? And I'm like, uh, it's been a minute, guys. I, I don't actually know. <laughs> so there's just yeah. some some of the, um, the sort of, what is it, macro and micro? Some of yes. the macro of just like how to manage your base, what each thing does, what you should be doing in which order, was a little lost on me and I was playing, I think it's like the third mission where it's like the first actual mission where you have a base. Yep. And I was just getting stomped because I kind of forgot about like, I didn't internalize that you can use your um the Spear of a Dune, is that what it's called? The sort of spaceship that you have to warp in pylons, which is a really mm-hmm. crucial thing that to do. That is
0: what that mission is attempting to teach you, in fact, but it sure does rush you on through it. Every mission kind of rushes you through those basics, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
1: so once you have the basics down and you realize what it's going to be teaching you, your yes. your brain kind of... You know, I had kind of internalized, okay, there are these five different categories of thing, and I'm going to be getting one or two new things each mission. You know, it it really does kind of carry you through them, and it's really fun. Um, So once I've got that down and I'm kind of back in the groove, yeah, I'm really enjoying myself. This game's super fun. I'm really just struck by what it feels like to play it, um, what this style of game feels like, because I haven't played a game this complex or a game with this kind of an interface that's a mouse and keyboard PC game.
0: Yeah, you gotta be at your desk to play StarCraft. No no lying on the couch playing Steam Deck for any of the three of us.
1: (laughs) So that's made me just reflect on the way that games have changed and the way that this type of complex multiplayer-focused game has changed, which is something that we can talk about. Um, But yeah, basically, uh, I'm enjoying myself. And to just say where I'm at in this story, I'm pretty far. I'm like... I think in the kind of final act where you have to go and do one last battle, I'm awakening the Sick. cyborg army right now. <laughs> and then I'm going to go and sort of take on the, what do they call the Tal Varash or something like that? The, the bad Protoss before we mm-hmm. go and then we fight the. Big JRPG god dude at the end and then so I, I think I've got like Amon yeah so I've got like probably six or seven missions yeah left.
2: there's a there's a f- super one of my favorite missions you might have done this already no you haven't fought Alarak yet there's a great mission where you do like this tug of war with Alarak across a map that you will you will enjoy. Um, the single player campaign in this game is full of like really interesting missions, I think, really unique design stuff. Some of
1: them in particular are fun, but yeah, we can get into those. I'm curious, if have you played the whole thing through, Jason, and how did you find it coming back to Well
2: him? No, I haven't played it on this. I actually played through the whole thing like a year or two ago, so it's pretty fresh. Wait in a minute, online. but
1: before you bet us, you played through it, so you think that that
2: counts? Does that count? No, 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 no. no. He's not no, saying no, that. He's not no, saying no, <laughs> No, you misunderstood. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm saying that on this replay, <laughs> this current uh-huh. replay, I have not played through the whole thing. So how far yeah. are you? Oh, on this replay, I did all the Dark Templar stuff, all the stuff in IR and I I did all the Mobius stuff, and so I'm just after that. You're like just, a little uh, further than I am. Hanging out with Phoenix. Okay, as long yep. as hanging you're playing. As long as you're playing. Kirk, you <laughs> like, like pretty mad about something little, Jason didn't you even You think say? I'm not going to play StarCraft? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I, in addition to this, I've also been playing multiplayer 1v1 like every night. Come nice. on, man. I, come on, man.
0: I do want to get good enough to get back in the mix, because I just we got to clarify that was part of the best. Was that we would play a little multiplayer, which at my current level sounds terrifying. But believe it or not, Kirk, there was a time when I did play some StarCraft multiplayer, and I was never, I was never like high up on the ladder. But I certainly enjoyed getting in the mix and playing some some multiplayer. You've always been a
1: competitive gamer,
0: yeah. And I, I'm. I'm I'm old now and my reflexes are gone, but I, I want to get back to it. it. It's like playing it again just puts you in that mindset of like, oh yeah, what if I could just see like Minority Report style, like all oh, my armies, like that is the kind of game this is. Like you can enter flow state and just be like, I'm controlling everyone. I see all the dots. Everyone around me is under my powers. Like that is how StarCraft makes you feel in ways that almost no other competitive game ever makes me feel. And it's such a great feeling to get to. I, I want to try and reach it again this time around.
1: So I think that an interesting thing about StarCraft as a competitive game is the sort of, the way that your attention is dispersed into the game. Oh, yeah. Because it's very, very different from, most of the games, most popular multiplayer games now, where you have a single focal point, and I actually think that MOBAs are an interesting shift because they represented real time games like Starcraft shifting more into that single focal point style of game design. So playing this, that's the thing that strikes me. Um, I mostly play by just making a big army, and then I assign it to number one, and uh-huh. then that's my army, and I move <laughs> them around. And then occasionally, like, I'll have aerial units and ground units, so I'll have one and two. And even then, the complexity of that, of managing, well, my aerial units are coming around here, but I also need to get my ground units around. Yeah. But that means I need to have hotkeys on the map so that I can really that's quickly correct. assign waypoints, keep track of things. So there's this kind of diffuse attention that you need to have. And then I've been watching some matches, and uh, I watched uh, some training videos, is as well, just to kind of remember what it's like for people to play multiplayer. I've never really played this game multiplayer. And it's it's just interesting how that, you have to be in a mindset to manage a bunch of stuff at once. And you're going between macro and micro really quickly and shifting gears and like moving these guys there and these guys there. And you have maybe just one character that you're using to kind of move across the map to check things out. So compare that to a fighting game, for example, which is just as complicated in a way because your character is very complicated. There are a lot of moves to keep track of. There's a whole, like, you know, there are your opponent's mm-hmm. moves. A
0: lot of mind games similar to StarCraft. It's a, very much an intimidation mind games, what it will faint, fainting, etc. Yeah.
1: So it has all these, it has like these big picture things that are sort of similar, but it's crucially different in that there's this one point of focus. It's just your character fighting. And a mm-hmm. MOBA game kind of takes, the. it's like a fighting game mixed with an RTS. Yes, because you have a single character. There are some story missions where you're playing the hero characters. You know, you're playing as um, what's his name as. Um, or you're playing as Kerrigan, and then what's the what's the main guy's name? It's like uh, Artanis. Artanis. Uh, Artanis. 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 Yes. Thinking. Okay. Um, so you're playing as Artanis, and it kind of is like proto Moba. Anyways, I think that this that whole thing is interesting, and I'm curious what the two of you think of that kind of shift away from this broad focus and toward a kind of singular focus when it comes to competitive
2: gaming. Well, that's why RTS fans always complain about uh, MOBAs like simplifying everything, sure, and it, uh, removing a lot of the the skill, the learning curve, although there is plenty of learning curve with Dota and League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, <laughs> yeah they're it's way too easy. To That's hear, definitely the
0: issue with those games. It's Whoops. interesting
2: to hear your your <laughs> thoughts on that. I wonder is that something before I answer your question, is that something you've gotten from playing the single player campaign also, or just from learning and reading up on the multiplayer one v one?
1: Um both. So I've been um um so I've been watching some Day 9 videos, which were just interesting and not that applicable to the single player just because you don't need to be learning the habits that he's teaching. They're pretty cool, though. like It's fun just to watch his tips because it gives me a sense of the things you need to get better at, like with your mouse discipline and you're kind of speeding up your hotkeys and stuff. But um I haven't really had to learn that for the campaign. But no, playing the campaign, too. I mean, the campaign is training you for PvP. like It is all the same stuff. And there's still that feeling... I constantly feel overwhelmed playing this because it's been a really long time since I played a game where I'm I'm having to think about 8 or 9 different things. Like there's these, you know, different timers going, my research station is upgrading my weapons, I'm having to track three different types of resource, so how much space I have for everybody, how much mm-hmm. Vespian gas I have and how many crystals and or whatever must- I have.
0: You must construct additional pylons as well. Like you gotta Oh keep my track of goodness,
1: that. must I ever construct additional pylons? <laughs> Always need to construct pylons. So it's that, that thing of like I'm really trying to keep track of all of this stuff, plus the location of my characters and my army on the map. And like if I break my army into one or two and then I have a defensive force, then it's three different armies. That's a wild feeling for my brain and has made me realize that I have just gravitated away from this kind of game in general. But also I think that like the video game industry has gravitated away from this kind of game as well. And it's just much more common to play a game where you're one character and there's maybe a lot going on. It's a complicated character who can do a whole lot of different things, but it's a very different headspace. So I'm definitely noticing that in single player
2: as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know I've seen the number of Google Chrome tabs people have if you have like <laughs> 40 have Google Chrome tabs you can, you can play that. StarCraft 2 so okay <laughs> so I think I think it's really interesting and I think the StarCraft 2 campaign that's one of the things that really strikes me about playing it um, more recently is that it really does do a good job of teaching you how to multitask because at least I'm, I'm playing on the brutal difficulty so I'm also I have to like pay attention to first of all your macro so training your units it's uh, 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 recruiting workers and harvesting and building stuff and, um- and also your main army, but then also setting up defenses because you're constantly going to be attacked by enemies. I actually was pleasantly surprised at like how good yeah. the uh, the single player is at teaching you some of that stuff, or well, not teaching, as in like giving you tutorial prompts, but teaching as in like making you learn how to do it. Or else they you're punish die. you if you mm-hmm. don't protect your base. Um, yeah, yep. um, the single player has a lot of things that are kind of built in for the player that make it easier to win, including the Spear of a Dune abilities, which get more powerful over time, and you can customize them and upgrade them. stuff and also the different the kind of units that you can select from where for each unit you get three different options and that's cool to play around with and that stuff none of that stuff is in the multiplayer which is a lot more like these are the units this is how it works everyone is mirrored same experience no matter what Mm -hmm. um But it's cool that the single-player campaign does such a good job of being like, no, you will lose unless you build multiple gateways and, like, understand that you cannot just have all your units coming out of, like, one gateway, and you cannot just keep, like... 10 probes going you have to keep recruiting probes and stuff like that so that's pretty cool I think that like there are a few tips and tricks you can kind of learn that make the multiplay or the multi focus element of it all a little bit more palatable Um, the most important thing is to keep all your buildings on hotkeys and to just like while your focus might be on your army to keep being like okay here's my factory hockey I'm going to train an immortal oh that immortal is almost done I'm going to do that Um, and to not rely on the cues for that sort of thing Um, another thing Thing is just kind of like um, knowing where to focus um, and knowing that, like, okay, I'm going to be zipping back and forth between my base and my army and not worry as much about the other stuff. But in multiplayer, it's really interesting because i found over many, many hundreds of hours of playing multiplayer in this game that you do have to be able to focus on multiple points at a time and like be multitasking constantly, but also it's not quite as important as you would think, at least on kind of like a an average competitive level. Like obviously if you're facing grandmaster level players, you need to be able to do everything. There's a, a stat, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, called APM or Actions per Minute. Oh yeah. And I've watched like, the videos the best-
1: of the- a very high APM player is playing where it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen yeah. the
2: best players are like yeah I mean 300 400 actions per minute which is kind of like unfathomable for us mortals but or or us us people who are older than 18 the complexity um, watching but... somebody with
1: a high APM play Starcraft 2 is in no way to me dissimilar than watching a master pianist. Like it really is that same feeling of like, okay, so you spent thousands of hours training your brain and body to do this incredible thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on the on the average ladder player, like if you guys went in and tried playing some one v one, you don't need to be able to do that, and you don't even need to be able to focus on more than like three different areas of attention at a time. And most of the time, if you are like if you have your fundamentals in place, if you're like spending your money and remembering to do that, if you're remembering to like expand, if you're remembering to scout, if you're remembering to like harass a little bit, you mm-hmm. can just kind of win pretty consistently without being able to like zoom around the map at like 400 miles per hour, clicking on everything at once. And a lot of times your player, your opposing opponent player is also struggling with that multi-focus kind of problem with that. They're not knowing where to focus, not remembering to pay attention to every little thing. So there's no, like very few people are playing perfectly and you can kind of take advantage of that as you play. Um, at least in the multiplayer. And I'm curious to hear more about that when you guys dive into that.
0: Yeah, I feel like that split focus is also what makes the game fun. And again, different from every other game, but that sense of being overwhelmed by both the choices that you can make, but also like constant progress bars is very pleasurable in like a addictive human experience kind of way because it's, I don't know, man, it's it's a dopamine machine, at least for me to just always have something else in the game that you can click on where mm. it's not just like from a competitive mindset, but like, OK, like I set my guys up here and oh, wait, I wanted to also send these guys there. Like you literally always have six other things on the to do list Do you know what I mean? Like you never are are at a standstill. There's never a moment where you're like, boy, I'm not sure what I should do next in the Starcraft II match. Let me just sit back and consider. Like you really, Uh you can never do that. And you have to always be making decisions, which I would say is actually pretty different from a fighting game where you might actually kind of sit back and like play footsies with someone or like kind of just be doing some mind game stuff. And I'm, I'm sure others sort of Uh, focal point geared games are similar to that in the sense that maybe you don't always have to be literally moving. But in StarCraft, you do. Like, every second, it's like, well, at the very least, I could go build some more workers. Like, if if everything else is set up, I guess I better just go get some more freaking minerals. Like, there is literally always something to do. And that... I mean, I've described flow state, but it's also, like, ultimate dopamine state at the same time. Like, it's, I get why it's overwhelming, Kirk, and maybe not pleasant. But, like, if I'm in a good vibe playing StarCraft, it can be one of the most powerful gaming experiences ever. Or it can be the worst thing ever, because getting overwhelmed and already falling behind and knowing you'll never catch up is terrible like that i will never catch up feeling that can happen is very unique to starcraft in this type of game too i think and and is so stressful to be in especially if you feel like you almost can catch up you know what i mean
2: well, that's when you're playing multiplayer. That isn't really a thing because there's oh, yeah? so little friction to starting a new match. Like if you feel like well, that's true. You, you can just tap leave. out.
0: Yes, of course. And,
2: and a match, a match is like like five to ten minutes on average. So right. there's really not a lot of like, oh god, what am I gonna do? And you're stuck for ten minutes or anything like that. You just tap out and.
0: But like in the, the campaign, it can definitely happen where you're like. I don't know if I need to restart this because like I already have everything set up, but oh my God, I'm like starting to get overwhelmed or like I just made one stupid decision early on and now I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know. I still think even that method of losing can be fascinating in ways that other games don't necessarily provide.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you're nailing the crucial difference between this experience and the other ones for sure. And yeah, I don't, I don't find that unpleasant at all. I, I hope I didn't give that impression. I think this is really fun and it's very different. And can, I can certainly see how when you've mastered it, it's that feeling of your, the whole kitchen is going. It's funny, my one more thing is overcooked too, which, it has oh that God. feeling that of game like one stresses st-
0: me the heck out actually. <laughs> well, it's
1: and it's not dissimilar, right? Even no, though it's, it's a not. it's a team, it's a cooperative game. So, but once you get the whole k- kitchen cooking for those brief moments where like the pasta's going and you're simmering the the tomatoes and someone's cutting the meat and someone's doing the dishes and the whole thing is working, it's that feeling of, you know, a really functional kitchen where everything is going at once and it's hard to get it there, but StarCraft 2 is very much a kitchen. I mean, a lot of it feels like It's all prep, like you're, you know, you're all that, uh, macro stuff that you're doing is kind of making sure that you're spending all of your resources, not having any resource buildup, making sure that you're, you know, always training and always, you know, getting some new units out there and being maximally efficient. And I can imagine that once you have those fundamentals that Jason, you're talking about down, that that's a very satisfying feeling. That's actually the thing that I want to learn how to do. I think with the multiplayer part of this game, that the more i i think i'm going to just do some training trying to get my fundamentals down because to me at least that's the most interesting thing not just going and getting worked by someone who is better at the game than me but actually mm-hmm. trying to learn those basics the basics of how to very quickly tell basically macro the quick macro stuff where you have so jason you said hotkeys for different buildings like for your different buildings to you can just like hit that button the building comes up and then you press whatever you want it to do and it starts training the unit is that is that how that oh, works oh man
2: I can't believe you played as much as you have without hockeying buildings. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm so bad. I'm <laughs> for... bad.
1: No, no. I, I just think... use the hotkey for the camera. But yeah, I kind of just go back to my base and I select the it's thing. It's actually and I tell a it what failure
2: of the game that you're able to play that long without like, being able to, like, without learning to do such. It doesn't a, tell you anything tell about you how to how to do hotkeys. Do that hotkeys
1: are seriously just not mentioned yeah, by the Yeah, I game. mean,
2: they're. So we should say, okay, so the game does have tutorials. None of us have played them because they're not like popping up for you, they're not obvious. You have to go and find. The the tutorials within the UI. Um, and also starting with Wings of Liberty teaches you a little bit more. That said, yes, so one of the fundamental things that you're going to be doing in StarCraft, and this will save you a lot of time and make you feel a lot less stressed while you're playing, is you assign your buildings to units and then um, you... Well, actually, with Protoss, with gateway units, you don't need a high key for the gateways because you just hit W and then you warp them in wherever. Um, I assume you are upgrading your gateways to be warp updates. gates. Um, so, but, but yeah, you're, that's why, so you never think about like, so I have my, uh, Nexus always set to one. And so while I'm doing anything, I'm constantly hitting one, making sure that there's a probe being trained in the Nexus, because there should never not be a point really, Like most matches don't get far enough that you shouldn't be training workers. So whenever I'm doing anything, I'm constantly being like, okay, one E, one E, one E, making sure that there's a probe there, making sure that I check my factories and make sure there's something coming out of them. There should always really be something coming out of every building you have. And if you are at a point where you can't afford to spend money on like every single building you have, then you've made too many buildings and your economy isn't set up right. Like that's part of the fundamentals is making sure you're constantly training out of every single building that you have. So
1: to ask you a question on that, um, it seems like one thing that you want to learn is a kind of strategy going in that you're, you know what buildings you're going to want to build going in. So you know you want to forge because you're going to be yes. focusing on ground units and you need the forge to make the ground units more powerful. So you're going to focus on a forge but then maybe not a cybernetics center because you're not going to need the units that that makes possible. So you kind of have to have both the knowledge of, like the physical keyboard knowledge of, okay, I know that it's going to be 1E, one 1E. One e, I know it, I have these all kind of memorized, these quick you know shortcuts. And then also the kind of even, it's like the meta-macro knowledge or something of what strategy you're doing going in so that you're not building needless uh, buildings and wasting resources. Is that right?
2: So in multiplayer, it actually you can simplify it for yourself by memorizing what's called a build order. And so you come up with it, mm. you, you find a good one, and um, they're all pretty straightforward. And you're like, here's when you build a gateway. And it's, all, it's based on the number of probes you have at the beginning of the game. So you'll be like, okay, I'm at 13 probes. Now it's time to send one and build a pylon now i got to build a gateway um you'll always have a cybernetics core by the way unless you're like cannon rushing or something can i ask
1: you some build order questions
2: yeah but, but well, no, i want yeah, wait can want i ask you one granular, build order yeah. question just yeah one. yeah please
1: when please. do you start um mining vespine and like how do you approach vespine gas compared with uh, crystals or whatever they're called
2: so in multiplayer, yeah, I assume we're talking about multiplayer yeah, here, sure. but it depends. It depends on your order. That'll be part of a build order. So like my typical Protoss build order might be to go and send out a probe at, I don't know, 12 or 13 probes, whenever it is. And then you build a pylon. And then after that, you build a gateway. And then after I build my gateway, maybe I'll send that probe out to Scout. And then at the same time, I'll start uh, building a, an assimilator to start getting Vespine gas out of there and then et cetera, et cetera. Um, nice. One other important tip, by the way, this is turning into like start. Two no, this decent. is good. This is no, like good. exactly what I think
1: we should be talking about. One
2: important tip is that if you hold shift you can queue up actions. Yes. So like if you want to build something.
1: I learned that from day nine. I've been doing okay, that.
0: Good. This was a huge deal to me in, in 2014 or whatever like when my friend yeah. finally showed me that I was like oh my god why didn't I know this? <laughs> uh-huh.
2: And these are all I mean you don't really need build orders for the single player campaign. It's a lot more loose with what you can do. You have a lot more They're flexibility. Fun, though. Um, it's fun to have fun. Them. Yeah I mean a build order but a build order is generally like once you play enough Starcraft 2 multiplayer, you'll have a rhythm where you'll be like, okay, I know exactly what time this has to happen, this has to happen, this happen, has to happen. And then very quickly, this doesn't take a lot of experience semester, but very quickly when you're playing against other people, you'll scout and you'll be like, oh, this, this Zerg player should have an expansion right now. And if they don't have an expansion, that means they're rushing me. And so I need to defend accordingly. Um, Pretty much every possible outcome at any point you can kind of figure out because you can read and you can scout and read what your opponent is doing. Like you recognize
0: certain openings at a a certain point, and you're like, "Oh, they're doing this." Okay, it's like chess,
2: but if there
1: were three very different (laughs) sets of pieces, which is actually a really interesting thing about this game. So I love the tabletop game Root. Remind me, neither of you have played Root, right? You don't know Root. No, Mm -mm. Root is a it's another uh, asymmetrical competitive game where it's a tabletop game, but it's the same idea, where there are very, very different factions. And I think there's four or five different ones, but they've added them to the game. And really, for my group, we had to all play each you know, faction multiple times until we were all good enough to actually get into it and have an entertaining game because then you start to be like, okay, I know what the Woodland Alliance is trying to do here. I'm on to you because I've played you. And it's, mm-hmm. I feel like in competitive StarCraft, it's probably kind of similar where yeah. it really helps if you understand the other groups.
0: I think that's why the three campaigns are structured the way that they are it is so that you can play all three and even if you're like, I'm never really going to play a in competitive, if you play the whole campaign, you have mm. probably a pretty good sense of how how they operate. It's why when the game launched, I was a little sad, along with many other people, that it only launched with the Terran campaign because at first I was like, well, I kind of know how to play Terran, but I don't really know a lot about these other two races because StarCraft 2 was my first ever and only StarCraft. I haven't played the other ones and I didn't really know how to play the other two races until a friend sat me down and was like, here's a bunch of tips and tricks, press shift, by the way, and also like, here's how to play Zerg and Protoss. <laughs> uh-huh. And until that point, I was like, I really don't, Know how to do this. Like, I like this game, but I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't know how to get better. But at this point, with all three campaigns, I feel like you could play all three and then be pretty well set up to head into multiplayer. Well, maybe a couple day nine videos. (laughs) Maybe throw a couple day nine vids in there. And then you're pretty well set up for the foundation because by that point, no matter which of the three you've selected, you kind of know how all of them operate and what all of their buildings look like so that when you scout them, you're like, oh, OK, that's like what a forge looks like. That's what their equivalent of a cybernetic score looks like, because that's all you really need to know is what they're doing. Build order. You
2: definitely you need their buildings and you need to know all their units because you need to know what counters each yes. of their right. units. You need to know like, oh, hey, this Zerg is going roaches. So I'm going to go immortals to counter them or whatever you choose to do. I just want to shout out before we run out of time here. I just (laughs) want to point out that I think one of the things that has made Starcraft II so appealing, at least to me personally, but really I think has given it its life, is that like it's so meticulously just kind of constructed and crafted and polished, and like the way everything looks and feels is just so great. Um, playing around with Blink Stalkers is one of my favorite things to do because it's just so satisfying to make them mm-hmm. blink. Yeah, like from one place to another. just teleport them. It's great. Yeah, it feels good when you have when you have an immortal and you have a, like a group of immortals like going into like a a, a friggin' hybrid enemy and just like ch- like chomping away at its health. It's just so much fun to watch. Like the, the tanky shots and and everything about the game is just like so. It looks so good. It sounds so good. Man, oh. the music is so good and it just feels so good to play. Um, I've been. Kind of skipping a lot of the cutscenes because the story in these. In, Can we talk in a little seconds, bit about gonna, the story? I think <laughs> the story is yeah. So but everything let's... else, I just want to
1: shout out to. Yeah, I love the way this feels like the apex and maybe the sort of post-apex of this kind of unbelievably dense Blizzard-style MMO-style like world building. Um, With just, un- like, incredible amounts of lore, incredible amounts of, of proper nouns, and-, and just, it's so hard to keep track of, because we're at the end of this saga that started in, what, 2010? <laughs> Did Is that you when- watch
0: the story so far video? Because it's amazing and uh, so absurd it's like 20 minutes long it's probably not literally 20 minutes but it feels like six hours long and it is just pure unfiltered proper nouns and it just keeps being this this bless this narrator he's being like and then the proper noun came to the proper noun and the proper noun 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 and then
1: (laughs) i'm gonna play you both i want to play you both a cutscene that i came across last night that just had me rolling (laughs) on the floor um and i want you to hear it because it's so funny I was given a directive by Aldaris himself to come to Glacius and serve the Templar. It is the last recollection from his memory web. The Great (laughs) Templar were still encoded by Order of the Conclave. Do you know about the experimentation done on Glacius?
0: Why Aldaris (laughs) gave you this order? (laughs) I am a warrior, old friend. You know this as well as any. it's so simple it was the last recollection from his memory web
1: (laughs) this is the stuff that makes me just picture the voice actors in the studio (laughs) being like yep memory web no worries the templars i am am adjudicator So it's just this stuff over and <laughs> over really and over good. again where you're just watching these guys just be like, the memory web and then the adjudicators and the ancient order of the... And, and the
0: stasis. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I gotta say, like, at the same time as these cutscenes, those are the, like, in-engine cutscenes where they're all mm-hmm. just sitting around talking. The pre-rendered cutscenes are bonkers in this game. They're amazing. And it's... it's I don't know. It's a testament to Blizzard's long-standing ability to make those little cinematics. There's one, um, the one where uh, the main character like reactivates this ancient core, and he's like overwhelmed by Zerg, and then he's like has this amazing heroic moment where he rises up and just destroys them all. And uh, I do get kind of pumped up watching them. So the story is is just pure weapons grade nonsense, but I'm still sort of enjoying it, and it's a fun culmination for this whole game. I mean, they're bringing all the characters back, like everyone's coming back for this sort of grand finale and it feels like it even though I don't really remember everything that happened in the first two chapters
2: Mm-hmm. The Protoss is especially dense with lore and proper nouns. And so I think if you play Wings of Liberty, it feels a little bit more like, hey, this is the Western, mm-hmm. and we're, we've we got this, this. Well, it's, year it's Starship what's, Troopers,
1: Aliens, and uh, Independence Day, right? And then yeah, the Aliens I mean, are kind of also, also Starship Troopers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you said 2010, but really, this is a saga that started in 1998. Well, like, yeah, sure, story threads mm-hmm. were set up with the original, and Brood War especially, there's some like cliffhangers in Brood War that aren't resolved until Legacy of the Void. So sure, all the stuff was. Kerrigan, and then, yeah. In the making. And yeah, well, also, like, there's a character named Stukov who comes back at the end of of Legacy of the Void, and I won't get into all wow, the details, spoilers but yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, Stukov pretty wild. Um, I've always yeah. enjoyed is- it. I like the lore. <laughs> what I don't like actually is the kind of the Kerrigan Raynor plot, which is kind of forced in. Um,
0: <laughs> Kerrigan's too good for him. We all know it.
2: It's it's weird. It's like she he spends the entire first game bringing her like making her a human, mm-hmm. and then she just goes and spends the entire second game going zerg again. It's all very strange. It's
0: very silly, but it's also like good because when she became human, that was the worst ever. And I feel like maybe everyone there at Blizzard was just like, you know what? It was great when she was the queen of blades. We should yeah, just I have her be that it. again. What it were feels we thinking? Like, okay, it's
2: the type of <laughs> it's the type of thing. Well, yeah, and and also the the Kerrigan Raider. Or love story didn't make sense in the first Barf. place because like the first game <laughs> didn't have them as like lovers or having have anything in between them and then it was kind of set up by a novel in between the first and the second <laughs> games and then it became the crux of like that's the funny. story of in, Wings of Liberty. in Starcraft 2 yeah um,
0: what
1: I want is I want to watch a bunch of guys with no faces just <laughs> monologuing at one another and that's what this game gives that's me what Legacy of the <laughs> that's, that's give what you the get editing. here
2: yeah I think uh, yeah the the story the story is I mean I mean, whatever. But I have always like <laughs> the there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not. Saying I feel like the story has and, good and vibes. some of the things. If you're like a big, also well, like great. if you're if you're a big Starcraft fan and you're playing Legacy for the first time, there's some crazy stuff that happens. I mean, they blow up ire, which is like I know. A I, I mean, even I understand the like,
0: import of that. My life yeah, for it's ire, pretty wild. everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I've heard of My it.
2: life for Ior. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Phoenix. Nobody. I think even the most devoted Starcraft fan is like, I cannot care less about phoenix why is he coming back again because he is such a minor character and well, the, the thing is his memory his was stored phoenix, in his memory though. web
1: and now he's a cybernetic version of himself
2: <laughs> i mean this is like so he dies in the first game as a zealot and then he comes yeah. back as a dragoon which is a cool thing i went like, and had oh. a
1: conversation with him about this we talked
2: wow, about it's just like
0: it. in starcraft too
2: so you learn well so Maddie, the point is that in in StarCraft One, it's like a cool thing that he dies and then becomes part of a dragoon because it's like, oh, you learn that like dragoons are actually made up of these fallen zealots and Mm -hmm. like it's part of Protoss lore, and then he dies again as a dragoon, and for them to bring him back again is just so silly. It just like removes all of that interesting. There's like that
1: one guy at Blizzard who's like, loves Phoenix, and just is like, we gotta get Phoenix back in there, and everyone else is like, okay, friggin' Derek (laughs) wants Phoenix (laughs) in the game again, I guess, he's gonna make the cutscene, so let's I guess we'll
0: put him in the memory web, or whatever. Um, But
2: Alarak, you guys will meet Alarak, he's actually... Alarak is actually a cool character. Yeah. But yeah. yeah I mean, there's good. some good stuff, but I'm, I find myself way more impressed with the, the overall packaging. Oh, every absolutely. single unit yes. in this game looks and feels awesome. Mm-hmm. Like there are the little sounds they make are so many.
0: adorable. That's the real reason to play Protoss.
2: (laughs) And also they all have like their own distinct purposes, which you'll learn the more you play the multiplayer and the more you like get to know all the units in the single player. There are a lot more. It's like triple the units of the multiplayer, but in the multiplayer, every single unit has a purpose of some sort. Some are more useful than others, but like still there will always be a purpose for each Mm -hmm. one, which I think is really cool. All right. We will be talking more about this game on Friday when we do our stream. So if you want to watch us play it, come check that out. Um, and otherwise oh and also we're going to be talking more about it next month when we finish yeah, we'll be the back. entire campaign so we will be back with more Starcraft 2 talk in August at some point in the meantime why don't we take a break and we'll be back for one more thing hey Sydney you're a physician and the co-host of
1: Sawbones a marital tour of misguided medicine right? that's true Justin is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician?
0: no justin that is absolutely not true uh however our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past as well as some current not so legit
2: healthcare fads
1: so you're saying that by listening to our podcast people will feel better sure and isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor well uh,
0: you could say that and our
1: podcast is free yes it is free You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor,
0: but, but pretty good. It's up there.
1: Hi, I'm Ketchup. And I'm Socks. And I'm Ball Bearings.
0: And I'm Pigeons.
1: And I'm Water Towers.
0: And I'm Cardboard.
1: Surprise! We're actually humans.
0: Humans making a podcast about those kinds of topics.
1: Because those are real episode topics on the podcast, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. That's a podcast where we take ordinary seeming things like ketchup and socks and cardboard and bring you the little known history and science and stories that make those things secretly incredibly fascinating. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating! The title of the podcast. Hear the back catalog anytime and hear new amazing episodes every Monday at MaximumFun.org.
2: All right, Kirk, Maddie. Just like Phoenix, we have returned uh, against all odds. We have reemerged from the web of memories now, I guess. as hologram purifier dragoons. Um, <laughs> let's talk about our one more things, Maddie. What's your one more thing?
0: Mine is Barbie, which I saw at a press screening last night. And y'all are getting me in the vacuum of the embargo not being up until a couple of hours after we record this. So I don't That's even know exciting. what everybody else thinks about this movie, but I can tell you that I thought it was really cool and it is nice. attempting to do like 6,000 things with regard to feminist thought and what Barbie means to, to popular culture and people everywhere. It is doing a thousand cartwheels and backflips in high heels to try to make many heady, cerebral, intellectual arguments about that idea. And it's it's wild to watch Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie try to pull that off. Margot Robbie being the star, Greta Gerwig being the writer and director with um, Noah Baumbach is uh, Greta Gerwig's frequent collaborator. Uh, And I just want to also say Ryan Gosling is freaking incredible as Ken in this movie. I did not expect to be saying that at all because I didn't really think think Ken would be that major of a character, but he's Mm. actually a really significant character. And the movie ends up being just as much about masculinity in America as it is about femininity in America. And it gets really weird and wild because Ken kind of has like his own identity crisis about what he is with or without Barbie. And he like gets into men's rights activism and stuff. And it is a freaking weird movie. I think everyone in the world should see it. I don't know. It's crazy. Barbie. It's 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 gonna be the movie that everybody talks about for the rest of their lives, probably. That's my um, prediction.
1: That's exciting. <laughs> I'm gonna go see that on Thursday with my nieces. We're all I very think they'll excited. like
0: it. It is rated PG 13. Mm-hmm. I don't know I that it needs it. to be. I think it's not it's not scary or there's not swears, there's no sex in it because I mean, nobody has any genitalia. They're all Barbie dolls. Um, <laughs> so really, I feel like it's rated PG-13 because uh, there's a lot of intellectual like references mm-hmm. and illusions in it. <laughs> if that makes sense, like I feel no, like they're yeah, like, no, seven-year-olds might not really want to hear about Proust and like existential dread and like Barbie's talking about suddenly understanding what it is to experience fear of death. That might not be something they're up for, but as a seven-year-old, I would have been into that. So it depends on your kid. <laughs>
1: They're older than seven, so I think they they'll be into love it. love it, I I, think. Yeah, I'm, I'm I feel like as a
0: goth kid, I would have really liked this movie. And as a, as a weird adult, I also like the movie a lot. It's not perfect, obviously. There's things about it that I was like, eh, I don't know if you landed that. But it is trying so many things, and it is astounding that it succeeds at any of them. And Ken's arc is just fascinating. I, I can't wait to see what other people think about it. So yeah, Barbie, great movie, really wild stuff.
2: <laughs> nice. Cool, It's exciting. Kirk, you already spoiled your one more thing, but yeah. you you give it to us again.
1: I did. My one more thing is Overcooked 2. So yeah, I mentioned my my two nieces are staying with us this weekend. We've been having a great time and we're looking for some games to play together. And I've had Overcooked 2 and Overcooked installed forever, but um, you know, I Emily and I could play them together, but it's kind of more fun to play those with a bigger group So my two nieces and I have been playing some Overcooked too, and I just wanted to shout that game out and give a recommendation for it. It's really fun and, uh, it's really stressful and chaotic in a certain way, but it's also really rewarding. So this is a game that I'm sure a lot of listeners are familiar with, but Overcooked and its sequel are both games. It's a top-down kitchen where you, all three or four, kind of run around the kitchen and you have different tasks that you have to do. So, you know, there's like a chopping board over here and there's tomatoes over here, and there's a saute pan over here. So first you have to grab the tomato, then you run to the chopping board, then you chop, 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 then you grab the chopped tomatoes, you put them in the saute pan, then you have to wait. But don't wait too long or they'll catch on fire. But if they're ready, grab them, then you got to get them to a clean plate, put them on the plate. Then somebody else, hopefully, was making pasta, then they put the pasta on the plate too, then you have a finished pasta dish, then someone runs it and delivers it. So you can imagine there's a lot of different ways for that to go wrong. The dirty dishes start to pile up, you run out of plates, no one has anywhere to put anything. Someone's doing too many things, they're not paying attention, and the pasta starts Burning, or the tomatoes start burning. There's a fire, someone has to grab the fire extinguisher and put it out. Suddenly, Phoenix appears. And <laughs> do? There's a cyborg and he's <laughs> crashing all over the kitchen. Yeah, so it, it um it quickly becomes quite complicated and very funny um, and is really, really fun. There is, man, a memorable mission, or mission I, I call it that because it did have a narrative, but a memorable level in Overcooked 2 is you're on a uh, hot air balloon. And first, you do it just like there's a level that's a hot air balloon where there's two and you have to go back and forth between them and they're moving around. With a there's a kitchen on this. Yeah, hot you air know, because you got to make food on that. It's a, a standard fine. kitchen location.
2: <laughs> is it like the zeppelin from Indiana Jones and in the. No, it's the just State? like
1: a hot air balloon. And then there's the later one where there's actually a restaurant on another hot air balloon that you have to like run through. To it's it just gets more and more complicated. But there's one where you're on a hot air balloon in a storm, and things are getting crazy and the wind is blowing. And then your hot air balloon crashes and you crash into a sushi restaurant so you go from having to make like i think pasta like you were making on the header balloon to also having to make sushi cuz now you've crashed into a new kitchen and you're like in the middle of like <laughs> the debris everywhere the orders, right you just have to keep going cuz you like crash into a different kitchen <laughs> so fun. in the middle of the level we're like oh god it's sushi time okay you get on the fish like all right i'll go and get the rice and uh it's very funny so the one thing i wanted to say about the game that i think really makes it fun as a cooperative game is that We typically do really bad our first time through, especially because the game has a tendency to single out one player and put them on like three tasks, but they're like across a river from the other two. So depending on who that is, it can be really stressful for that person. So maybe they're a little overwhelmed and you don't do that well. But what's really cool about the way we've been playing is that we'll finish... And maybe we'll totally fail. And we want to get at least two stars or maybe three stars. So we'll be like, okay. So we pause it. And then we talk through what we're going to do. And we kind of assign tasks. All right. Like my one niece, she'll be like, okay, I'm going to be on pasta. Then I'll be like, okay, I'll do dishes when they come up. But I'm going to chop the tomatoes. And we kind of work out our game plan. And so it's really – it's opened us up to this kind of collaborative teamwork where we're forming a plan before we go in. And then also – the better you get at forming the plan, the better you are at improvising when the plan falls apart because it always does eventually. It's like, okay, well, wait, someone just needs to do the dishes. Sorry, I'm in the middle of this other thing. Can you do it? And um, it just leads to a lot of communication when you, when you kind of do it that way, when you pause in between levels. So we've been having a really good time with it. And I know it's a kind of an older game, but I've been playing it and having a lot of fun. So that's Overcooked 2. It's on like every platform ever. And uh, there's also Overcooked 1, which is super fun too. So yeah, great games.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. My one more thing to round us all off is a book called It's Not TV, The Spectacular Rise, Revolution, and Future of HBO by John Coblin. And Felix Gillette, full disclosure, Felix is actually one of my editors at Bloomberg, but I still enjoyed this book despite the conflict of interest there (laughs) and can still... Can still despite recommend it. Hating
0: anyone who's ever edited you, you still enjoyed this book somehow. It's
2: true. I can still enjoy this book despite <laughs> having to get notes from Felix. No, Felix is a great Felix is actually a great editor. But um yeah, so this book is really interesting. It's kind of a reported historical book about HBO, um the like all of HBO's history essentially from when it started through the modern era. And what struck me about it, other than just like it being full of interesting anecdotes about uh, the creation of some of these amazing shows, um, from like obviously Sex and the City to The Sopranos and some of the more uh, 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 some of the more obscure stuff, I suppose. There's some interesting tidbits about as well. It also captures this like swaggering TV network full of boys club executives that almost like succeeds in spite of itself, and is just like constantly run by incompetent people who are like more concerned with like womanizing than actually doing things. And like um, there are many failed attempts to build a streaming app and like how (laughs) they just like allowed Netflix to like become the market leader through just like incompetent move after incompetent move. Um, And it's particularly interesting to look at today in the wake of our, our current Hollywood ecosystem and the, the, Various strikes that are going on, the writer strike and the actor strikes that are going on, and the streaming uh ecosystem just being totally broken and busted for everybody it's really interesting to read a book like this and kind of see at least part of the story of how we wound up here so i really enjoyed it it's really well reported there's a lot of focus on a guy named chris albrecht who played a a major role in hbo and also like strangled a woman um so that's interesting to read about and it's interesting to read about like some of the foreshadowing like there's a great moment where like um They're talking about The Sopranos and how uh, the episode of The Sopranos that really kind of made it stand out to a lot of people is called College. It's, episode, it's one of the first episodes of, good of the one. first season. And in that episode, Tony strangles somebody. And some of the kind of notes that they got from Chris Albrecht there in the wake of that, not knowing what he had done. There's some interesting interesting context there and interesting kind of flavor there. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. It's, it's very well written. It's a very good business story, very well reported and, and full of lots of interesting anecdotes and details. And I learned a lot about HBO by reading it.
1: You know, it's also wild in that there's a Sopranos episode called Pine Barrens where Paulie and Tony go and take the Batgirl movie and they kill it before it can even be released. (laughs) That
2: is, Yeah, they kept talking about their uh, scheme to get tax credits by uh, eliminating HBO shows. Yeah, I don't know if it was very meta that episode. So, yeah, I know. It's kind of weird one. at the time, but it makes a lot more sense in retrospect. Very strange at the time. Yeah. And then and then Tony looked at the camera and was like, "This one's for you, Zaslav." And, and, then
1: and we were like, "Who's Zaslav?"
2: Instead. Well, anyway. Calling "Max,"
0: he uh, said. "Just Max." Yeah. Just weird up. Max. Call Hello, <laughs> Max. Drop the
2: HBO Max. It's cleaner. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, uh, good book. Very enjoyable. Nice. And yes, the Mac stuff. It's it's really. And that's another incredible thing about this book is you're reading it and it's like, wow, they really like put so much into creating this brand that like really just like was prestigious and stood out and like really meant equated to quality. Wild and stuff. Then current Warner Brothers Discovery is just like, yeah, let's just take that out back wild, and shoot it in the head. Wild and, stuff kill it for good so yeah it's really interesting um all right it's not tv is the name of that book once again and that is it for this week's episode hey maddie we'll see you next week heck yeah goodbye
1: see you next week bye triple click is produced by jason schreier maddie myers and me kirk hamilton i edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by tom dj some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. TripleClick is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Fun,
2: a worker owned network of artist owned shows supported directly by you.
1: Okay. Um. Time. dot
0: gov
1: gov
2: we love the gov
1: um. <laughs> yeah
2: we love the government we love the gov doesn't have quite the same ring to it as time.is or time.is all you
0: need is gov oh, yeah. <laughs> <G-I-M-E>. <laughs> gov. oh my goodness everybody knows that hit song <laughs> time. Gov.